create your symphony of success with sales enablement. Hello and welcome to this next episode of our Expert Talk Sales. Today we're going to have a deep dive discussion on the topic of qualification and its merits. My guest today has a lifetime of experiences in the area of sales and specialize also in today's topic, qualification. So welcome Barbara Polo, founder and COO, chief outcomes officer of Inflection Point Strategy Partner. Hi Bob, thank you for your time. Hi Annette, uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Yes, thank you, me too. So to everyone listening on LinkedIn, um, if you have a question to Bob or to our conversation, please just post a comment and next to that video and we will try to address that during our conversation. So Bob, as a first start, can you introduce yourself? How did you land in the field of enabling sales leaders and sales organizations? Yeah, um, well, I, I started as many of my uh, colleagues in this line of business did as an employee of a technology business. Um, over the years, my career spanned corporates, scale-ups and startups. I actually learned that the environment that I preferred was this all-important scale-up phase, you know, when uh, an organization's proved that it's got something that it can take to market, but now it really needs to exploit those opportunities. So inevitably, I lived through uh, uh, a number of acquisitions, mergers, and so on. And um, after I dropped off the corporate hamster wheel, I've now been working with scale-up technology-based businesses, helping them to build a, a really scalable and predictable business model. And qualification, opportunity qualification, is a really key part of that. So can you shortly clarify the terminology qualification, what it is exactly? So uh, I'll use it in the context of a sales opportunity. I mean, there are other applications of the word qualification in selling, but probably the most important one is uh, qualifying a sales opportunity. And I, to me, what it means is assessing not just whether or not the customer is likely to buy from us, because if they're not, there's not really much value in pursuing, but also, and I think sometimes this is missed, assessing whether they're likely to do anything. So when I think of qualification, it's, is this the right sort of customer? Is it the right sort of uh, need that we can satisfy? Um, could we do it profitably? Are they likely to do anything? And are they likely to do, uh, you know, make that decision in our favor? So there's a whole bunch of tasks that you would have to do during the qualification. So is there a specific timeline where it is or how does that go? Well, uh, uh, now I'm going to talk from my experience of relatively complex business environments mm -hmm. and life might be a bit simpler if you have a very straightforward transactional sale. But let's look at the more complicated uh, scenario mm -hmm. um, because we can always simplify from there. So for me, qualification is a continuous process. It's not something you just do once, particularly if you're, let's say, investing months of time in developing the opportunity. There are certain things you're unlikely to uncover or prove at an early stage in the conversation. 
So uh, as your dialogue with the customer continues, you're progressively qualifying uh, the opportunity and preferably doing it against very clearly defined criteria so that every salesperson within your organization is looking at opportunities in the same way. So if I understand that correctly, there is basically no end to qualification until you're in the deal. Right. And by the way, you could be at a very advanced stage and something changes in the customer's environment, which means that both the probability of them doing anything and maybe the probability of you winning comes crashing down. So you always need to be aware of these things. Yes, cool. Um, you also mentioned just the very specific standardized objects you have to qualificate against right and um you expanded the famous medic framework to with somewhat details that you call now med picker right? right can you shortly uh elaborate on why do you need those criteria sure and why was this um uh this expansion um, necessary. Absolutely. Well, let, let me just very briefly anchor this by saying that historically, many salespeople were educated to qualify against BAN, budget, authority, need, and time frame, And that really, if you unpick it, um, uh, assumed that the customer had a funded project, uh, that all they had to do was to choose who to implement the project with. And it's, I think that's a fundamentally unsuitable mindset if you're for example in a SaaS business or any business where it's not inevitable the customer's going to buy so I can't claim credit for it but uh, probably over a period of about 20 years uh, an approach to qualification called medic uh, initially in the technology sector I think subsequently it's been embraced much more widely evolved and, and the first handful of criteria so medic is an acronym uh, and what it stands for are firstly metrics do we understand the metrics that the customer is going to use when they're considering the pain that they're suffering today and the gain that they might uh, accomplish in the future and, and the key thing with metrics is there's got to be the strongest possible contrast between the measures that reflect where they are today and where they believe or aspire to get to. So that was the first. Um, the second one is economic buyer. Uh, and the reason that's important is sometimes salespeople find themselves talking to an enthusiastic uh, member of a potential customer, but that person really doesn't have the power to make the decision. And, and, and that person or that group, because sometimes it's a group, are the, is the economic buyer or economic buyers and they pick they make a fundamentally a business or financial judgment about whether to go ahead and who to go ahead with so that's the e the next one is decision criteria so if you don't know how the customer is going to decide you are really going blind uh, and the best salespeople actually seek to influence the customer's decision criteria the second d in medic is decision process what steps are the customer going to go through in deciding first whether to do anything and whether to you know do it with you the i um 
stands for uh, intensity of pain. So it, it's really a P, but it's labeled an I. And what that basically says is um, if there isn't a strong enough reason to change, they probably won't. They'll stick with the status quo. Uh, and then the last conventional C, six C's that make up basic medic, is champion. Have we got a champion inside the account who's promoting us? And again, what I'd say is that sometimes results in a rather narrow-minded view. Um, you focus on whether we've got somebody who's enthusiastic about our company and our product, but we also need to be thinking about, is this person capable of championing the project? You know, at a time when their organization's probably considering a bunch of other things they could spend money on, have I found somebody who's championing the project, not just championing my company and my offering. And I have to tell you that those six criteria just by themselves are a, if applied consistently, are a huge improvement on the way in which historically salespeople might have qualified or maybe they didn't even think or weren't required to qualify. So it's already a very good foundation. But, but in the businesses that I work with, there are some other um, considerations. Uh, one of them is, so if it's a complex deal, a high value deal, we also need to understand the customer's approval process. So that's where uh, the P in MedPIC comes in. Do we understand? I mean, it's P for either paper or process, but it's really about so even if we win the decision in principle, what happens then? And again, if we don't know that, we can really be led astray. And then the second C in MedPIC is competition. Who are we competing against? Uh, and what is our relative strength and weakness? And that's how, that's about as far as, you know, conventional application of medic or MedPIC has gone. Uh, and, you know, for some, that's enough. Uh, for some, it's overkill. And what I'd encourage the audience to do is to choose those qualification criteria that, um, you know, actual real life experience demonstrates are very important in determining whether the customer is going to do anything and whether you have a chance of, of winning. Now, in the world in which I typically work of technology, discretionary purchase, there are two more things that you might want to pay attention to. And that's how MedPick evolved to MedPicker. And that's where I'm going to stop, actually. But let's just explore what those last two R's are. The first one is relative priority. And uh, it, 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 perhaps some of you listening will have experienced a situation where you won the decision in principle. Uh, and the customers, and you've negotiated maybe a mutually acceptable terms. Uh, and the customers said to you, if we go ahead, we are definitely going to go ahead with you. But then the project stalls. And the reason why that stalls very often is this project had a lower relative priority than the other things that the customer was considering investing in. It's so important to have an awareness of that. You mustn't, in my view, narrow your focus just to 
who else are we competing against in this project? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the cycle, your strongest competitor is either do nothing or another project. And the last R, and it's really a reminder, is what could go wrong, risk factors. Um, and you probably had past experience of things that could go wrong in similar deals. So uh, are we aware of them? And are we mitigating uh, those risk factors? So that's, that's how MedPicker evolved. Thank you for that um, explanation of all those different, uh, of the whole acronym. If I understand it correctly, basically it's try to give the salesperson a help to have a really customer centric thinking right because it's like really all those points is understand your your buyer from the get-go uh, 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 that is so important so it, you go back to bant bant one of the letters in the acronym was need and of course a customer needs to have some sort of requirement in, in order for them to think about purchasing. But the, the truth in a complex buying process is that there are many more dynamics at play. And MedPicker encourages the salesperson to really put, their, put themselves in the customer's shoes, to understand the dynamics of the customer, of their buying process, of the decision group, and so on and armed with that knowledge to do a better job, both of qualifying and actually of conducting um, a successful sales campaign. Yeah, customer centricity is absolutely critical. And uh, very, very quickly, not today's subject, but I would always strongly recommend to sales organizations that are in this sort of complex environment, think about your sales stages reflecting where the buyer is in their journey rather than the classic stages of discovery, demonstration, proposal, and so on. Because if you're customer-centric in how you chart the customer's progress, you'll also behave, I think, more intelligently and you'll win more often. Or you'll qualify out more quickly. To pick up on that, I think we have an interesting question. And the question is, whether there are specific milestones in the qualifying deal or where you um, would say it's go and continue versus no go and drop the decision points. Can you shortly elaborate? Yeah, I, I, by the way, I, I don't think there's a single point, but let's say you uh, are employing uh, business development reps to try and find opportunities um, in the first place. They wouldn't be able to qualify the whole of Medic, but they'd probably make an assessment of is this contact a potential champion or a economic buyer? How intense is the customer's pain? And so on. And that might be the first checkpoint, yeah, a partial evaluation. Then you go through discovery and you learn more and you complete other aspects of MedPick. And at that point, I think there's another checkpoint. Uh, so there's probably at least two formal checkpoints in that. You know, is there the essence of a deal? So it's worth investing my sales time in. And having invested my sales time, am I now confident that, you know, what are the odds of the customer doing anything and of me winning? Okay. Um, and, and so what I normally do 
with, with clients is we allocate certain parts of the MedPIC acronym and say, by the end of the first stage, you at least need to understand this. And that's part of your go, no go. By the end of the second phase, you need to understand the following characteristics. Um, so I talked about paper process or approval process. That's sometimes you don't get to learn until later on in the deal, but you need to watch out for it. And relative priority, you might only really get a sense of that uh, once you've really scoped up the opportunity. So uh, I'm a great believer in milestones and in associating qualification and requalification with uh, different steps in the pipeline. Yeah, cool. Um, and we have another question. I think that also nicely links to that because how you explain it is, it makes all sense, but it also sounds really complicated, right? So there are those uh, now 10 points that you have to be aware of. I mean, with Milestone, it makes it a little bit easier. And sure. also the question is, how important are tools? Can they help us going forward? Oh, um, critically important. Because um, uh, you, what you really want is for your salespeople to be guided in this process. And, and I have to say to you that, unfortunately, many traditional CRM implementations feel like an admin system to salespeople rather than um, a guide. And that's where, you know, some of the modern approaches to CRM like Membrane, which was designed from the start to act as a guide rather than a, uh, just an information repository, uh, are so important. And I do think if you implement these potential capabilities in your, say, in your CRM, You'll make it much easier for salespeople to embrace this. You can, you know, include little guides uh, reminding them about key things to look for. You can color code the qualification in a way that makes it very visual. Uh, these are all ways of making it digestible. And, and, and one last point, I, I would never suggest that every environment always needs all of those 10 factors. It might be over-engineering it, but uh, one of the ways of, judging is look at where you won and lost and particularly where you lost and at the sort of conversations that might have gone along the lines of if only I'd known that earlier if only I'd done that earlier I might either have a more successful sales campaign or I might have wised up and worked out this really isn't a winnable deal so I'm gonna very politely disqualify the customer rather than continuing to throw my own time and my colleagues time at it okay that's good gives a nice uh understanding to say like okay those are the points of those 10 that i really have to look at yeah also what came up now is how do you reinforce the behavior to follow in the clear for the clear qualification process. So how can, can I, as a salesperson, better learn it? Well, there, there, are, there are very good guides. I like to think that I've got a, a good guide, but actually their best guide might and should be their sales manager. So <laughs> I, I think sales managers have got a critical role in helping salespeople become better qualifiers. And in fact, I think the role of the sales manager is almost to be the devil's advocate, to push back and 
really test whether the salesperson has done more than a checkbox exercise when they're qualifying. They've really thought about it. They can share evidence that supports their view that the opportunity is well qualified in this aspect or not. Um, the, almost the worst thing you could do is to just think of qualifying as a tick box exercise. You know, I need to tick this box before my CRM will allow me to go forwards. And that's a, I, I think that's a really inappropriate uh, thing. So, um, uh, your manager's guidance and your manager's role and, and accept it in the way that it's intended to almost stress test your qualification and see whether you really thought it through. Uh, you'll, you'll appreciate it at the end of the day, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation at the time. So has the sales manager position, position changed in the last years? Uh, not the best ones, no. There has always been a very a huge gap between good and bad sales managers. You know, I'd say an ineffective, an old school sales manager, when they're reviewing opportunities, it's just like, you know, firing off what's the value, what's the close date, what's the stage, what's the probability, what's the next step. And it's just an exchange of facts that sometimes aren't, actually aren't facts. Whereas the better sales managers use those things as opportunities for coaching. They have always, the better sales managers, got scratched below the surface and sought to understand and help. Um, and I do think that perhaps one of the things that's changed is if you're a sales manager and you're not investing, I don't know, 20, 30% of your time in really effective sales coaching, you will not get the best out of your salespeople. I don't think it's ever been more important. Okay, so the coaching role has def is definitely very important to be able to have a proper approach to the whole qualification process for the salespeople. And here's the challenge. Many sales managers were promoted because they were good salespeople. They weren't trained in the art of sales management. They might not be you know, have the natural gifts to coach, although those gifts can certainly be developed. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I also have another question coming up, and that is, what do you think about using algorithm and historic data, deal data and analysis to support the qualification of opportunities? I think the better intelligence you have, the smarter decisions you'll make. I don't think you can rely completely on artificial intelligence and machine learning and algorithms. But what those things can do is to recognize patterns and to challenge you where you're working in an opportunity where the pattern that you're seeing doesn't align with successful patterns that you know, we've seen in past deals. So I think it's, a, it's not an alternative to informed judgment, but it can be a very powerful complement to, uh, to judgment. And, and one of the reasons I say this is, uh, you know, business to business deals, particularly large ones involving multiple stakeholders, involving perhaps multiple colleagues on your side, there is no single process, perfect process formula. But what you can do is to work out whether things are heading in the right direction or not. So it's a, it's a, it's a powerful complement. It's not a substitute. 
Great. Thank you. Um, so if you talk about all those different aspects of a very detailed qualification process, and also this um, important position of the sales manager, I start to thinking, is there a kind of culture that fits best for such a clear um, framework? Does the company have some culture to have so that you in order to to live that properly well, well you know and uh, honestly in some startups it does appear that they've kind of got to make it up as you go along heroic effort um close the next deal but at, at the end of the day that culture exciting though it might be to live in all right um you talked about when we were talking offline living in interesting times where you can very often live in interesting times in a startup but i do think at some point the organization needs to mature because if it's going to scale, it needs to have not a rigid process that constrains them so tightly that the salespeople can't show their initiative and their creativity, but something that guides them in best practice. Yep, sets them off on the right track. So I do think you need a culture that recognizes, you need a management that recognizes that uh, best practices, common language, common standards, when adopted without suppressing creativity and initiative are going to be the best way of achieving what are often very ambitious growth targets. And also think about, they'll probably in that point be recruiting many new salespeople. So how do you induct those new salespeople into your way of selling? If you haven't established it, they're going to be thrashing around and almost certainly won't succeed. And if you were, we're now living a lot of in the remote areas, are there, how do you see that changing of people onboarding and learning the qualification process without being easily to go along with some colleagues and witness it? Well, so it is a little harder, isn't it? But there are various tools and devices. I mean, I run interactive workshops with my clients where there's a lot of lateral learning going on. So the colleagues can learn from each other. Sometimes having an external perspective can be really helpful um, with that. Uh, listening to call recordings is actually a self-coaching tool which can help you recognize for yourself, you know, where it went well, where it could be improved. And then that's something your manager can coach you in. Uh, I would say there's one fundamental principle, though. If you're not prepared to be honest with yourself as a salesperson, you'll really struggle in this environment and in the future environment. You know, you, you've got to acknowledge reality. That's an important part, definitely. And if there's one thing you could recommend a salesperson to that are listening now, immediately to change in the sales cycle, does one thing come to mind? I, I think it is. I mean, I've got my preference for MedPicker. It isn't right for everyone, but it would be uh, achieve a consensus within the sales organization about the common standards and process you're going to use to qualify opportunities. So everybody's looking at opportunities in the same way. Yes, coming up with one coherent set of criteria. Yep. Thank you. So. 
but to be aware of time because time is running tightly is there anything on the topic of qualification that we have not covered yet that you think we should uh shortly address i, I, I don't think so i mean i'd reinforce the uh, the real importance of self-honesty in, in this uh, and an honest dialogue with yourself and with your manager and uh, and um be willing to disqualify if it doesn't look right. The best salespeople have the confidence to disqualify an opportunity early if it doesn't look right. Whereas the less confident, less experienced salespeople typically, unfortunately, cling on to opportunities that any rational analysis would say are not winnable and their performance suffers as a result. Be, so it's it's not just qualify; it's be prepared to disqualify. Thank you. So what I take from the three points is the common process, being willing to disqualify, yep. and the honesty towards myself, and really looking in the eye of what is here. Yep. Don't cool. fool yourself. And thank you, Bob, for your time. Um, thank you so much for this talk. Really enjoyed it. I guess we have co we've covered tons of inf um, important and interesting information. So thank you. Um, I appreciate the invite. I've enjoyed the conversation, and I hope our listeners find the uh, the information we've shared useful in their own uh, sales lives. Yes, I hope that too. So. Thank you everyone for listening and yeah, thank you Bob for your time. All right, thank you.